El podcast más chingón. Puras entrevistas machín. Bienvenidos amigos a otro capítulo de The What Did He Said Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, a couple tour dates, man, because I am in the middle of my nationwide comedy tour. It's the Latino as Fuck Tour, and we're coming to West Texas. That's right, Midland. We're going to be all up in you March 2nd, and then we're hitting Waco, Texas, March 15th. Yes, we are inviting Chip and Joanne Gaines, special invited guests. I don't know if they're showing up, though. And just added, New Braunfels, Texas, March 16th at Goofy's Comedy Club. And Corpus Christi, Mesquite Street Comedy Club, March 28th. So many more dates. Make sure you get on ChingoBling.com. Now, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. That's right. You're going to get hooked up with a free audiobook download. That's right. And you get a 30-day free trial. This all you got to do, man. There's no catch. There's no tricks. Just type in audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said. Again, it's audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said. You're going to have access to over 180,000 titles to choose from for your phone, your Android, your Kindle, MP3 player, however it is you like to do your, your audiobooks, man. We got you. All right, so the reason we teamed up with Audible is because we do Feria Friday emails. That's when we, you know, give you information on like some new music, a new book, some quotes, just a new thing that we're into. And I've been talking a lot about Shook Ones, uh, the new book by Charlemagne the God. He talks about like anxiety, but he, he uses like hip hop terms and he actually quotes rap lyrics like Ghetto Boys Mind Playing Tricks on Me and stuff like that. So it's really good. I actually have my copy on audible let me pull up the audible app so i can tell you what other other stuff i listen to man when i'm on the road if i'm on a treadmill if i'm just running errands you know what i'm talking about here's some good some good ones uh think and grow rich by napoleon hill because i'm about that money you know what i'm talking about uh shook one of course Charlemagne the god also got spanish level one lessons for my kid you know because my kid you know she kind of ain't she iffy on the spanish again all you do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said and it's a free book audio book you ain't even gotta read bro somebody gonna read it for you you could be in a car and you learning you could be in traffic but you gaining you might not be moving forward in traffic but you moving forward in life and knowledge Ooh, that's what we about man Sass. well let's set it off man ladies and gentlemen thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of the What Did He Said podcast. I am your host, Chingo Blingo, with the big tamarindo. I got the homie in the building. Rob G in the background. And of course, man, uh, my OG in this comedy game, uh, H-Town legend in the comedy game. The first vato you saw on Comic View? What? <laughs> what? Multiple times. Give it up for Juan Villarreal, ladies What's and gentlemen. What's up, man? Thank and you we, for having me, bro. And we got Ramiro in the building. What's Ramiro. up, bro? Chilling, bro. Hell yeah, I'm man. Having a good time, man. Good, brother. Good to see oh, you again, man. man. Uh, living fucker <laughs> yeah man so uh we were talking off off mic uh in the beginning yeah that uh you you're, you're you live on the north side now but yeah you're from the southeast right yeah well i grew up in denver harbor okay dh yeah and then we got evicted we moved over there and we ended up in the yeah. southeast and that's where we stayed okay so, so uh you went but, to milby man, i went to milby mm-hmm. you know what you, i went to 17 different schools high schools no no i went to 17 schools Total. i went to i went to six high schools Damn, son. Yeah. So you really did move around a yeah, lot. Yeah, parents were going through a lot of stuff, and we were, I mean, and then I wasn't, like, 
big or thuggish or hard or nothing. I was like a little, you know what I mean? I was just like, hey, what's up? Yeah. They put it this way, bro. I don't think nobody from my schools, high schools, can tell you stories about me. Uh-huh. Like none of them. Like I see people, they know me. Yeah. Like Danny Dietrich was like, hey, what's up? I saw some, you know, some guys, wow, we went to school together and it's cool and they recognize me, yeah. whatever. But I was like a little nerd, little geekish. We were really poor, so it was like I had these jeans that said Western in the pocket. Little, little, it said Western. Uh-huh. And they called me Western Juan. <laughs> What's up, Western? What's up, Western Juan? What's up, howdy doody? Like, so I was real shy. That's what people like, oh, you were a class clown? Like, nah. Then I joined the Army. When I was 17, I left Milby. I joined the Army. Uh-huh. And uh, I weighed 135, bro. I was 5'5", five, five, and I weighed 135. <laughs> so I was a little dude. Yeah. Dude, what was boot camp like? Well, dude, my life is so fucked up. Uh-huh. That I was like, fuck. I, finally, like, you're like, wow. some structure. You know, they, they, they scare you a little bit further. They yell at you. And I'm like, well, what the fuck did I it's do? Like, because, but they feed you. Yeah, because they, they took me to the receptionist. When you go in the army, they, they, you go to the receptionist place first. And that's where they gear you up. They size you up. You get your, and they're really nice to you. Hey, we're going to cut your hair. We're going to give you 100 bucks. So Welcome. You buy yeah, and they're really nice. You want some extra chocolate milk? You want some extra cookies? And, yeah, this is great. Everybody's all cool. And. Then you're asleep just to get ready. Tomorrow the drill sergeants are coming, whatever. But they show up like at 2, 3 in the morning. They throw oh, some flash grenades. So you're asleep. Damn. And it's Day like, boom, one? boom, 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 boom. After like six days, you know, they get you ready to cut your hair, whatever. And then, then the drill sergeants come. And they fucking flash grenades at 2, 3 in the morning, banging garbage cans. So everybody's just, oh, my God. It's like you're in a war zone. It's a fucking full metal jacket. Yeah, shit. and then they're fucking yelling, get the fuck up, grab a fucking bag. And you're looking for your bag. And it's like, grab any fucking bag, not your bag. So you just grab anybody's bag. Damn. and Yeah, everybody grab a bag, get dressed, and throw it in the... And he goes, we'll sort them out later. And and then, you know, they got us at attention. And I'm like this. That's my first attention. I'm like this. And you were still 130? Yeah, I was like 135. And, and they, did you, like, put on, like, some weight from push-ups oh, and all man. that? Yeah, dude. What happened was, I was, I was looking up, bro. So all the drill sergeants came to me. I was 17. They all ran to me because attention is straightforward. They all said, hold your chin up high. So I was like this. I was holding up too high. So they all ran up to me. What the fuck are you looking at, you motherfucker? Like, they were just hard on me, bro. I was like, what the fuck? They put my head down. And so I learned. And my drill sergeant looked at me. He's like, like, man, he goes, I've never had a 17-year-old make it. And Like you after, survived. The, yeah, after, the, after like the first, like I said, after the first week, it was like, it was, it was good for me. I mean, are you able to quit? Like, were people quitting? Or? Oh, people are leaving left and right. And how do you get, how do they get around that? You don't get in trouble. Like, nah, you got to go to some jail. Some of them get, uh, some of them did, did, is discharged. Dishonorable. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, that's when you really do something really bad and fuck uh-huh. up, but they just discharge you. And then some of them are like, man, if one can't, my leg hurts because they don't like it. And because there's like people that are rich that go to the army. You know what I mean? Like, they come from wealthy families and yeah. got money and stuff. Yeah. And they're not used to getting yelled at and stuff like that. And where, shit, where I, were I, you, uh, where were you, like, based? Or uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you get off base and like peep peep the scenery or anything? At uh, after after a boot camp, because during boot camp you can't even watch TV, read a magazine, newspaper, nothing. You can make one call every Sunday, like around four in the morning. And now and now they got Facetime, Facebook. Oh, I know. The moms are like, "Hey, Mijo's tired. He needs rest." Like, <laughs> I know. That's no, cool. no offense, but that's what I hear. Like my we, brother, because yeah. we don't know what's going on in the news. We don't yeah. know what's happening. Like Isolate. Ronald Reagan got reelected, and I didn't even know that there was a reelection going on. I was seventeen, bro. Like you had a whole new boss, and yeah, like, I was like, didn't know. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "What? He's your commander in chief. He got reelected. Like who? Ronald Reagan? Like oh, he ran again? Like yeah, because you don't know nothing. Yeah, what you year? got five minutes to call home." what's going on what's going on in the news that's what the older guys 
I mean, what's going on in the news? Are we at war? They want to know certain things because there's no news. You don't even know if you're at war? Nothing. Nothing, bro. My, bro- just- my brother-in-law was a Marine back in the day. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Who, yep. bro? Yep. Um, and this is this is back in the day. And, and like he says that back then it was real. Like you, like he, um, he had to write letters to my sister because they were already like I think engaged and married and all that stuff. But my sister had to wait. It was like traditional romance, like yeah. a rom com. It's like I had to wait, but for the mailman, and it would take weeks. And then he was in Cuba, and he couldn't really call like wherever yeah. he was stationed. And now it's like Facetime, Facebook. You know, I still couldn't hang. In I know, the bro. I, I wrote, I wrote my dad and my little brother, and my cousin. That's it. I got one letter one time from some girl. They, you know I mean, one of my little ex girlfriends or whatever. She, it was crazy because everybody was wait for the mail. Like they were just waiting and so they would call out the names, Munavar or whatever, Biggs, and I'd be in my bunk like I ain't getting shit. <laughs> ain't nobody writing me nothing. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I've known you for a long time. And uh, I never even knew that that you did army. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any like? Did you ever do bits about it, like jokes and stuff about? No, I got in trouble a couple of times because when they found out that I was going to be a cook, because that's what I was. I was a '94 Bravo. I was going to be a cook because I took the test, bro, and I made it. I made a 59, and you have to make a 60. And I made a 59. They said, but your math skills are are really good. So we're gonna your math scores are really high. So we want to put you. We're gonna keep you. And they said, okay, you can do either be a supply specialist or a cook. And like, what's a supply specialist? And it's like, you take care of stuff in the warehouse and, you know, inventory and stuff. Like, like what? He's like, tanks, cars, trucks. Helicopters. Uniforms. Yeah, helicopters. Grenades. And I said, I said, grenades? And he just looked at me and he's like, you're going to be a cook. <laughs> and right there, I was like, okay. Like, I didn't even argue. Like, no, yeah. I want to be a supplier. I just said, okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, like okay. He's like okay. He just right. looked at me. He's like, "You gonna make it, man?" Like, yeah. Yeah, I got a and mac then, and cheese recipe. I think. <laughs> and then what do you call it? Then the my drill sergeant said I wasn't gonna make it. Like you know, we do pushups, whatever. Like, hey man, so he bought some weights. He bought some weights out of his money. He goes, "Hey man, I bought these fucking weights for you out of my money because you need to start working out. Because if not, you're not gonna make it." And I'm like, "All right." This was after you were already in boot camp. This, this is a one week in boot camp. Oh, yeah. weekend. One weekend. He went to he went to Walmart and brought a big old box of plastic weights. So yeah. on top of you having to do push-ups, you were also having to do weights. Oh, yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And uh, what do you call it? And then my squad leader, was Munavar, he was oh. kind of cool with me. And Scott, Private Scott, is a, it was a big old black dude. He was 34 years old because back then, 35, he can join in. He was 34 years old, bro. I was 17. So they made him my squad leader. And the drill sergeant said, hey, man. So, like, you got to, whatever, like, fuck with him. And I didn't know this. So this dude came and <laughs> he said, hey, man, I need to talk to you, man. Let's go to the break room. I'm like, let's go. And we went in the break room and he turned around and locked the door. And like, oh, you don't want no witnesses or what? And he just <laughs> fucking picked me up, threw me. Are you serious? Stomped on me, kicked me in the stomach. Who was this? The, His the... name is Private Scott. It was Scott. So he was a private. Yeah, we were all privates. You know what I mean? We were Private Scott. So he whooped my ass, bro. And I laid on the floor, and then it was weird because nobody really came to help. Well, a couple of dudes were really mad at first, and I thought they were going to back me up or something, but I didn't want them to fight. I didn't want to get kicked out or nothing, but they just, they let it happen. And this shit went on and on, and, you know, he would tighten my shirt and this and that, and I was like, God. Oh. And then, you know, I was working out, and he would make sure I'd work out. Hey, Juan, go work out. I'm like, yeah, man, I am. So after a while, I liked it. Yeah. And after a while, I had all the weights on there. I was like, same shit, yeah. Push-ups. They, they couldn't do push-ups because they were big dudes, man. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's hard. Yeah. And here I am working out nothing but my chest. And I was little. Yeah. So I was started weighing 140, 145. And I was A doing big ass chest. Yeah, 50, 60 push. I was like, what the shit? I was like, man. And then I. I was growing in those like three months. I, was, I started growing and growing. I gained a little weight and I got up to like 150, 155. And, and then when he fucking tried to button my shirt, we had already graduated. We passed all the tests. I, you know, it was, it was over. We were already going to graduate. And then uh, we're in line and, you know, you got to stand up for age rest behind your hands, behind your back. And he tried to fix my fucking shirt and I hit him. I hit his hand. He said, what the fuck? I said, man, you ain't never touching me again. I'm that, a fuck, it, I said, I'm a fucking soldier. It was private? Yeah, it was private, it was private Scott. He was, he, I said, you ain't never touching me again. He's like, what? Like, you heard me? Like, you ain't going to do shit, nigga. Like, that, that, we can do this shit right now. And, and like, that's it. Because I was strong. And I had already had some fights with some other guys. And I didn't know I could fight like that. Because in school, I would get beat up. So I was like, man, I didn't know I can do all that stuff. So this dude, I was like, you know what I mean? I was pissed. I was like, man, you ain't going to touch me again. I'll fuck you up. When, when he just looked at me and drill sergeant walked by. Jingle, he walked by and looked at him. He goes, Private Scott, that's enough. You did your job. He yeah. graduated. And then I just looked at him and I looked at Scott and and everybody. They started congratulating me. They broke the line. They started hugging me and stuff. And then Private Scott goes, man, he started crying. Wow. He started crying. He goes, hey, man, I didn't want to do that shit to you. Because I wanted you to make it. This motherfucker told me to do Damn. that. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was like, okay. You know what I mean, I'm good now. It's like that's an elaborate, uh, yeah, <laughs> practical yeah. joke. Like, yeah, it was like, like an all initiation. The drill sergeant says you were a little punk when you got here. You was a little sissy ass punk when you got here. They, I could tell you were not a fighter. You weren't thug. I could this and that. So now you're a fucking soldier. He's like now the people that fucked with you, you can go back and probably fuck them up. Now I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. But I was a soldier, so your mentality is totally different. So. Yeah. So, dude, can you describe to us your first time on stage doing comedy? Man, dude, that's a great story, bro. It's not even real, Jingle. It's like it's not even real. We had our lights cut off. My wife was all mad and said, "Man, baby, I was working security, mm -hmm. and I just got a uh, you know. Once you make an arrest or whatever, you get in trouble, whatever." And I was like, "I, I, I arrest some people, and you gotta wait a week too to do the investigation and all that shit." So, I like we were struggling, making like 300, 400 every two weeks, mm. working fucking six. 12s like i would work six i was making 335 an hour mm. so all this shit is going on my partner my security guard partner was always saying like man bro you're fucking funny because after a while you don't want to fight no more i have been doing it for five years arresting people fighting people in cantinas and shit pony bars i was working that was me so now it's like like i don't want to fight no more like you know first you get into it and then you start training and then you're really good at it and then you don't want to hurt nobody no more you're like hey bro i do this shit every day I don't want to do this. So he's like, you got to do comedy, man. He would always tell me that. So I'm sitting in the garage. I'm upset. I'm kind of crying because I feel like I'm letting my family down. Yeah. My wife is mad at me in there. And uh, we were living by Jensen and Fernat, which is right there. Jensen and Laura Copy. It's one street over. So I'm sitting in the garage. I was poor as fuck. I don't do drugs. None that I smoke a little bud. And uh, it, it got kind of windy, kind of you know cloudy, like it was going to rain and shit. And I'm sitting there and a little half a joint fell. And you know I know all my weed. I, I never lose a roach. So I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is not mine. And I smelled it. Like, damn, this is weed. So I'm like, maybe I left it here. Maybe my cousin was whatever. So I smoked it. I started smoking it. And I started getting the buzz. Uh -huh. I was like, wow. And newspapers flying around. Green sheet. Back then, everybody had green sheets. Bro, fucking green sheet landed right in front of me. And then a the page just turned. It says, be a star. Open mic night. Amateur comedians wanted and this and that. And, and right there, I started thinking like, man, if I would go on stage... Wait, if I did comedy, wait a minute, and and I thought of some shit, and I went and told my wife, I'm going to pawn my gun, I'm going to go do comedy tonight. 
It was on a Monday night at the last stop. And I went up there, bro, and I put on some fucking... I don't drink. That night, I drank a 40-ounce. Mm-hmm. And I started to get on stage. Yeah. And I had a nasty set. And people say, don't try not to be too nasty. Don't be too dirty. And I'm just looking at them like, oh, my God. He goes, if you're going to be nasty, that's cool, but you're not going to get booked nowhere. And yeah. I'm like, wow. And I went on stage with some spandex. Some spandex, bro. <laughs> and I put a big old towel, like a big old dick. And I fucking... I had a jacket. And I'm all drunk. And I go on stage. I'm like, I'm here to talk about problems of a big dick. And open the jacket. The crowd went crazy. Like, oh no, it's God. hard because, like, I can never get no good head. Like, nobody can, no no girls try, but they try. No, they get stretch marks on their faces. And, yeah. and I used to be open my mouth for a while. They walk around like this. And I was like, uh, uh and then I said, uh, <laughs> I got nasty. I said, then, then I found this one girl who can handle it all. She wanted it all. We were doing it, but she had a big, like, oh, yeah. I said, it was yeah. nasty, man. It was real nasty. Yeah. I said, so I went to the store. I said, wait for me. I went to the store. I bought some liver and I chopped it up a little bit and I put it in the microwave for like maybe 30, 40 seconds. I warmed it up and I put it in her panocha and then it felt better. It felt full. And, all, man. and the people are going, oh my <laughs> fucking God. Like, chopped liver. Is, is this shit for real? And I said, thank you. And okay, so the next week, I couldn't wait to get back on stage. But the flood people, that's when I saw the people getting flooded on the news. They get flooded every fucking year, dude. I saw the same guy already, like, three years. And the reporter's like, so what are you going to do this year? Oh, we going to stick around. Let it dry up. It happens yeah. every year. And I'm like, why don't they move? And then I'm like, shit, if a Mexican, go, we're going to move, bitch. Like, well, I can't do a drive-by in a boat. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I did. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to do that. So I went up on stage, and I did that. I did five minutes. Killed it. And then the next week, I did uh, some Jesus jokes. Killed it. And then the guy at the door stopped me. And he's like, hey, man, how long you been doing comedy? And I'm like, three weeks. He's like, no. Like, how long have you been doing comedy? I'm like, three, three times, three weeks, bro. How many times have you been on stage? I'm like, three. He goes, you can't write five minutes every week. And I'm like, oh, you're supposed to write this shit down? I didn't know. <laughs> Wait, you're saying I got a 15-minute set? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, no. He goes, I need you to host this. I want you to come back and host it. And I was calling everybody fucker. All right, this next fucker, he's, you know, whatever. And then I had professionals. I didn't know this, bro. I'm fucking four months into the game. Yeah. I got professionals coming up to me going like, hey, man, I've been doing this for 20 years. Been on TV, this and that. You're not going to call me fucker. Oh, wow. You're going to tell me about my name. And so I'm like, okay, okay. And then I'm going to say, okay, this next fucker, he's a professional. He came in here, I'm a professional. He was all serio, I'm a professional. Don't don't call me fucker. And then, then, then man, shut up, fucker. I've been on TV. I've never seen you, bro. Give it up. Come on, give it up for this dude. Oh, my As God. You were hosting like that was the headliner type of thing? No, uh, host is you just there all night. And but but we, this person, like these people that are like, hey, There's man. 20 comedians. There's a list. Oh, so and, you're saying still open mic, but yeah. it was a veteran that went up. Yeah, because a vet at that time could bump people. Ah, they can come it. in and they can just bump somebody and say, I'm going to go next. Or, I'm going to go after this dude and stuff. Got it. So there was about maybe five, six professionals that came in at night. But everybody was known as fucker. And usually... By 11 o'clock, it's empty because, you know, one comic takes three people, four people, their family came and saw him. After they get on stage, they leave, whatever. And when I hosted, everybody stayed. They just stayed. They stayed, bro. And then the owner wanted to meet me, like, the next day. Says, I want you to do some guest spots this weekend. I killed the shit. The headliner didn't even want me to do more guest spots. Like, Damn. we don't need him. Yeah, so it happened really quick for me. Wow. Like, I tell people, I was doing comedy three months, and I got on HBO and BET. Three months. Right after three months. At three months, I got on HBO and BET. Dude. I remember when I was three months in, I was terrible, horrible. I, I I told Juan, I think I, I don't know if I texted you or told you, but um, 
one of the times when I was like barely starting, I had just done like a couple like bar gigs, like some put together stuff. And Juan reached out like, hey, man, uh, if you want to come get some stage time, you know, learn the game, soak it up. And um, I saw some of that old footage. I couldn't even watch it. I just literally sat down like in not in disgust of myself. But I was like, oh, my God, what the hell am I doing? And then uh, next time I saw Juan, I was like, Juan, man, bless your heart. Bless your heart for uh, allowing me and like giving me the space to kind of like get up there and take up some time and try some weird shit uh, that I quickly learned. Yeah, don't do that. Stop. <laughs> stop saying that. Take yeah. that out of there. What is this stage yeah. technique you're doing? You know. But uh, what was but, your impression of Chingo when he first got on stage? No, when I saw him, he the first time I saw him was working with me at the joke joint or mm-hmm. you know, coming showcase. So it was like, yeah, he he did good. I mean, he had it. Yeah, I'm that like, it I, I, I can see that he, but he works hard. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, this fucker's gonna, he's doing good. He's gonna grow. He doesn't need me to be on him a whole lot and stuff. Cause I try to help these other guys too. Some of them, you know, they got attitudes. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna do it like that. I'm like, okay, fucker. The ego. Yeah. So I try to. Uh, I, I saw that. And I'm like, oh, he's he's doing great. I actually, <clears throat> like when I was first starting, it was. I wasn't really doing open mics. I was doing like um, my buddy Frank was putting together shows and stuff. So it was very sporadic. But after Juan had me do about, I think it was like five shows you did at the Joke Joint, um, like in the span of two, three days. And after that weekend, I just felt like, oh, damn, I I was in a workshop just watching. And then I told people, I was like, dude, those extra little repetitions, like I really, even though I was still super new, I felt the difference. Like I got two chances a night to to yep. try and edit my shit and see what I could do different. Um, that's when I met Mo uh, Mo Amir or oh Mama. Yep. That, and that's funny because I didn't I didn't know who Mo was, but um, he was on one of the shows you you put together. And uh, then I heard like through the grapevine like oh this dude rose with Dave Chappelle stuff like that like he's a veteran I think he came up in the laugh stop yep. the historic legendary laugh stop that I wish I could have seen and went to, but uh, but yeah man uh, Mo I think went up first. That night, yeah, and uh, I was basically surrounded by greatness, man. I was like, damn. Mo, Mo's a beast, bro. I was just a student. Bro. Like, this is a crazy lineup. But see, that's how I felt. Like, when I was killing shit and selling out, and I'd go to Hollywood, i hang out with Eddie Griffin and Arsenio and all these other fuckers. I'm like, okay, cool. Paul Mooney. Like, all right. So I'm learning, and, and nobody would want to go up after these guys. Like, Eddie Griffin was always last. You know what I mean? I would go up before him sometimes, but, like, Martin would show up. You know, certain people would just show up, one of the Wayans brothers or whatever, do comedy, and Eddie Murphy'd be there. Everybody'd be there. How long uh, were you out in LA? When I went to LA, uh, I'd go out there for like maybe a month at a time. Mm-hmm. Drop in, shoot in, shoot out. Yeah. No, when I, I, yeah, but I'd work. Like mm-hmm. I'd do five, six shows a night if I could. In the daytime, I would just work. I would just go to all those fucking places. I was that dude would just sit there, and I had to watch all the comedians. Like I couldn't be in the back chilling. I just yeah. had to do this, smoking the cigarette, drinking a beer, whatever. I'm just there watching every fucking comic. So I studied the game a little bit. I'm like, I could do that. That's stupid. He should do that. And, and then they were all talking about the same thing. like Subject matter. Yeah, because OJ was, that's when OJ was going on trial. He mm-hmm. was going through trial. So everybody had OJ jokes. So what were some of your biggest takeaways when he first went out to California? What's one of the first things that kind of stuck out that you were observing? Like, we're the same, but we're not. Like, I had material and I had seen other Latinos do comedy. But then when you go to LA and you see those Latinos do comedy and they're talking about the same thing. Gangsters or cholos or whatever, but they're, they're talking about the same thing. But they're like, no, this is LA. We wrote this. And I still got a problem with that sometimes. Like, like, like build a wall thing. 
Like that one dude, I rode really well. Like, dude, they've been doing that joke since the 90s over here. Like, shut up, bro. Like, you know, well, I just wrote it. Like, but if you don't do it in LA, it's like the, I don't know how that works. I don't know if LA, if you do it in LA first, it's your joke or, or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause, but it's a, diff- it's a different scene. And yeah. you know, you know what's super interesting, man, is the fact that you're from here, man. You're from the home base, you're from Houston. And a lot of times, especially in comedy, especially in Latino comedy, it's all very SoCal based. Like because maybe because they have a lot of clubs and they're near Hollywood and they kind of have examples of how the shit works. But the fact that like you've been putting on for this area and, and that same thing I try to represent, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, but I just remember like watching Comic View and you had on like a South Park Mexican shirt. And I was like, man, yeah. I think this dude's from Houston. And uh, when I graduated from college uh, many moons ago, my plan, when I left San Antonio, came back to Houston, my plan was, all right, um, I'm going to stop. I was DJing in San Antonio, but it's like, I'm going to go to Houston and somehow get into comedy because I just wanted to do that. So I was like, okay, I need a game plan. I need to find like a mentor. Somebody knows what's up. And my first stop was, um, you had that room on the wayside side in 45. Yeah. What was it called? Juan's Latino Comedy House. <laughs> and it would be packed. It was like, uh, I think it was upstairs it was or something. Upstairs, yep. And um, I, at first I chopped it up with whoever you had like working the door. Rob and, Jenkins. Yeah, Rob. And um, I think my, I was a kid. What year was this? This is probably like 0102. Yep. Wow. Yep. So um, it was like 0102. Give y'all some history and shit. And... Uh, I met Juan briefly, and I was just like, uh, I want to do comedy, and I'm from here. And, I just, and he was just like, all right, man, well, shit, we'll, we'll, we'll show you, you know, there's open mics, have you ever done this? And uh, long story short, my Chingo Bling stuff, my little rap stuff, started to kind of get some feedback, so I, I kind of switched paths, I switched gears, and, you know, it all came full circle, you know, thank God. But, uh, and, then, and then a few years after that, like after I met him on Wayside, I was working with uh, some young cats out in, uh, they had an office in Magnolia, uh, David Gaona, G Films. And uh, I was rolling with them. He eventually became my manager for many, many years. But uh, he had a project with Juan. He's like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm collaborating with Juan Villarreal and we're going to do some film his stand up and do some sketches. And, and somehow, some way, Juan allowed me to be on the DVD. It was like, I'm from Houston Fuckers. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> And then the cra- the crazy I'm, I'm chasing him through the whole movie. Like I'm, you know I mean, yeah, yeah, he allowed me to be fucking silly, and I'm I'm in my outfit, and uh, you know, this is a dude I lo- I've always looked up to. And uh, the, the crazy shit is that that DVD, the guys that had something to do with it, like they had some copies, and I guess they felt like they could s- sell them or something. I had like the Mañosas, I had my own shit, I had my CDs, but we happened to be um, we were in my taco truck, and I was selling my CDs, and I think the guys brought a couple of that DVD that they felt they had a shared thing. And Juan's son is attends that school. And he's just a kid. He was like a young kid. And I felt so bad because he came up to the thing. He's like, oh, shit, Chingo Bling, what's up? What do y'all got? And somehow, some way, he sees his dad's DVD. And he's just like, oh, that's, that's my dad's stuff. And I was just like, whoa, hey, that ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. But uh, he's big now. His I, I ran into his son. Uh, They're all bigger than me. I took several him to the, times. I took him to the improv this weekend. They met, you know, to hang out with Carlos. And Carlos was like, fuck, dude, they keep getting bigger because they're all 31, 32. They're, oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're big, dude. Oh, so Mencia was at the uh, improv yeah. recently? Man, yeah. tell me about your relationship with him because you worked very closely with him. And uh, you actually have a joke 
uh, where you it's it's about you telling off this lady at the bank, but it's about this you know this paycheck because you traveled with him back in the day. Yeah, you, you worked with him a lot. Yeah, I mean he's. He's the one that got me on HBO. Because mm. I did BET and he told HBO he was hosting Local Slam. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I want this little young dude. And I'm older than him. <laughs> so he's like, I want this young fucker. I found him and, and he's going to do it. So after I did BET, I did, I did that. I stayed at this house. He bought me some stuff. And uh, I was like, hey, man. Because uh, I got on tour. I was on tour right away. And then they wanted me to headline. They wanted me to headline sometimes. And they would offer me 300, 400. So I'm like, uh, I don't have that much time. Like, I was trying to do this, so I started doing some of his stuff. And I called him, and I said, hey, bro, I did some of your stuff, bro. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, in Corpus, I, that shit kills. Because you were... And he was like, were... for real, bro? Like, yeah. He goes, Are you, so you stole my shit? I'm like, no, I didn't steal your shit. I just said your shit. I borrowed it. He goes, that, that's, that's stealing. I'm like, Carlos, I stole the car, bro, and I got 10-year probation for... You know what I mean, I got 10-year probation for stealing a car. I told some of your stuff that you say, and I'm getting, like, 500 a week, bro, like... That's yeah. not stealing, bro. Yeah. Like, That's you helping the homie out. Yeah, you helping me out. And he's like, well, go ahead, fucker. I, I'll write some more shit. So you were... So I was doing that all over the country. I was doing some of his shit all over the country. And 92, 93, all were, over the country. Because you were just starting. Yeah, we're doing military bases. So... And this was a so, tour? What kind of tour was that? It was a Chucky Ducky and Bruh Man. Chucky Ducky Quack Quack. Chucky Ducky Quack Quack. from Bruh Man from the fifth floor. Yep. Martin so Lawrence. every NCO club we did, we'd do a military basis. Every club we did was sold out. Every show we did was sold out. I only did like three months with them. I was getting paid 75 bucks a show. Yeah. And uh, every show was sold out. And I didn't realize, like, they were getting the door. They would charge 20, 30 bucks each show, whatever. Wow. And there's, you know, 1,500 soldiers and, you know, 30 times, bucks. Times, so yeah. 30, you're like, wait a minute, that's 45,000. Like, and they were paying Chucky Ducky like 1,000 and Bro Man like 1,000. So they were making all the Damn, fucking who money. was this promoter? <laughs> yeah, he's not here no more, Mr. Johnson. He's not, he's not here no more, man. Wow. Yeah, because Vance, the other promoter, uh -huh. became my manager. He's like, hey, why don't you do that? I said, well, why don't you be my manager and help me and this and that? And then I did my own show, and I sold out. I sold it out. I did $10 tickets, but I made like $3,500. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, damn, dude, I can't believe I made $3,500. He goes, that's, that's the way it goes. Juan, you keep the door. The club keeps the drinks. I'm like, that's that's how it works like yeah you always keep the door and I just looked down for about 10-15 seconds and I looked at him and he was like this I'm like so so all them sh I'm like oh all, wait, all those military shows also right there I'm like motherfucker uh. <laughs> like okay you got me motherfucker he's like yep we were, we were making a killing one we were making 40-50 thousand a weekend wow. wow I worked with Vance the first time when uh my buddy Joey from Victoria, Texas, who also helped push me into comedy. So, do you know Joey from Victoria? Joey Sandoval? Yeah. Love him, bro. Okay. I've known him when he was a little kid DJing at the OK Corral, bro. So, the first time I met Joey, this is interesting. First time I met Joey, I was starting in the rap game. He was a youngster in Victoria who was throwing himself a big concert for his birthday, like for the city. And he had me and a whole bunch of other artists. And um, it just turned out, like, we're performing, but they're like, yeah, he's the guy that brought you and it's his birthday. That's the first time I met him. Probably like 10 years after that, he's like, uh, hey, man, I, I got this venue uh, down here in Victoria. And there's a Victoria Film Festival, which isn't really big, but we like your web series. Why don't you we, we host an event and you just show a couple episodes. They're short and just do a Q&A at the end and talk a little bit. And uh, I think people will turn out. So but at the same time, he always kept saying, you ever think about doing stand up? And I'm like, I hosted a thing once. And it scared the shit out of me because it was horrible. I was really bad at it. 
He's like, man, maybe. Anyway, he put that bug in my ear because he's like, you know, I bring comedians to this venue you're going to be at. I work with Marlon Wayans, so on and so forth. And uh, so I go do the Q&A for the Film Fest, and um, it, it felt kind of like stand-up, maybe because he planted that you know, seed in my brain. And I got a couple laughs, and I told a couple stories, and I was hooked. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I can do this. So he was actually hiring me to uh, DJ. He had a nightclub, too. So after the Film Festival... He'd be like, hey, man, you want to drive down a couple hours, make some bread? Just, you know, and I was dating Marisol, so I'd take Marisol with me. And I'd be like, yeah, we're going to be at the club, baby. You know, I'd be DJing and stuff, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and uh, so that, so anyway, I want to just thank Joey because he's one of those people, too, that that kept in my ear. Like, yep. you, have, you sure you don't want to do stand-up, man? And when you want to do stand-up or you thought about it and then somebody says maybe you should do it. And then you go in front of people and you talk and they, this is well known and you get a laugh. You're fucked. You're hooked. That's it. You're like you tell people, man. Once you go it's on like, stage, you get a laugh yeah. right here. You're fucked. Yeah. Like I'm loving it, man. I, I'm gonna make five years in August, and uh, I, I've been working with Rick Gutierrez too, man. So he's been kind of showing me, showing me. Rick, some... Rick's such a great writer, bro. He's such a. I mean, he studies the game. He's worked hard, and man. like I don't know why he's not further in his career. I I don't know. He just had a Netflix special. I've always liked this writing. I've always liked. Uh, I don't know. He's, I, I just. I don't know, man. I love Rick. Yeah, I, yeah. I love Rick. I, I think, I think, I think uh, he's he's onto something because um, I think he's gonna make a lot of new fans. We both did a drop-in set in San Antonio. You ever been to Jokesters? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I'm gonna work there. They, okay. They, they, they've been calling me, but the, you know what I mean. Are you figuring it out? Some the, details. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we dropped in right, and uh, Rick was in front of a whole because he has he has one particular audience when he does like shows with Fluffy. And then he saw like a whole nother, you know, I've worked with him a couple of times now. He's seen a whole nother little fan base. But, but yeah, he's a, he's a veteran, you know, like yourself and, yep. um, you know, has a lot of wisdom, man. So yeah. I'm just And experience, dude. He's worked the road. He's worked everywhere, dude. Hey, I want to ask and, you and, that. And it's weird, though, because when, when we hung out at the joke joint, huh. like, like stories change, things change, whatever. Because he came up to me, bro, and he's like, man, Juan, so. So you're not doing drugs no more? He put his hand on me. I'm like, I've never done drugs. Yeah. It's like, where'd you get? And, and it's weird because he said that in front of people. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Man. So I'm like, hey, bro. like, Was he trying to be like, was he making a joke? Or? I don't know. Like, I was <laughs> I, I was confused, bro. Like, I didn't know if I should like, you know what I mean? Hug him, slap him, punch yeah. him. I was like, just looking at him, still thinking. He was still talking, but I'm just, like, I'm still thinking, wait a minute, bro. I still might hit you. Yeah. Like, it's still, I'm still processing <laughs> yeah. this moment. So, go back. It's like, so the drug part. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. Wait a minute. What'd you say? What? What, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I smoke a little bud, bro. Like, I don't drink beer. I drink four beers in 2008. Yeah. Like, and then I think, drink some, like, in 2003 with some soldiers after 911. And we all know weed ain't a drug. No, so, man. God yeah. made that. She yeah, grows out exactly. the ground like lettuce, bro. It just, you put your lettuce in a bowl and you eat it. You go, mm, and I put my lettuce in a different bowl. Yeah. Mm, it's the same <laughs> shit. Same shit. Yeah. It's made by the same Lord. Yes, bro. <laughs> That's what's up, man. So, how did the, um, the Comic View thing come about? Because it's black entertainment television. Which is now owned by Viacom, but at the time, this was Bob Johnson created BET. I turn on the TV and I see someone that looks like me from the same city as me, and he's fucking killing and he's funny, and I'm like, oh shit, and 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 that's the same like the door that he opened. I'm also trying to like keep it open Mm -hmm. so that other folks coming, uh, you know, behind us could be like, this is an option. It's been done. So how'd that happen, dude? I had an audition with Rashawn McDonald at the Hip Hop, and they said, we want him. Can you do those five minutes? I'm like, yeah. 
and I killed it. And then, you know, it aired. And then that's when I was on tour three months later with Chucky Ducky Brown, man. Mm. So the second season I did it, they wanted they wanted me. You got another five minutes? I'm like, yeah. And then I just I did it 11 times. I'm the only one who's done it 11 times. So back then they were paying uh, 150 $150. Wow. And you had to get yourself there. But that exposure. Mm. That exposure, bro. And then those comics were calling me BET. Uh, you're a BET comic. You're a BET comic, the LA comics. Ah, you're from BT, bro. That, that ain't nothing. You're doing BT five minutes. Because well, like, they were obsessed with late night TV. Yeah, that's like, what everybody wanted. Monologue. Yeah, they wanted to do that. I'm like, okay, but yeah. they didn't know that it made me a draw. Like they didn't know that. I'm like, bro, I just did Odessa and I had 1,300 people and I charged 20 bucks. Yeah, like these fuckers do are doing the shows. Do, do yeah. shows are doing. Yeah, how shows. much Leno paying, bro? 300. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, dude, these people are paying 300. They're getting paid 300, 400, 500, and a flight and everything. And I was. I was killing it, dude, doing Lubbock, and then I'm like, Eagle Pad, and let's do Del Rio. And then let's do San Antonio, let's do Mike Allen. Let's do Amarillo, let's do Texas, let's do Dallas. Dude, let's Texas do alone, right? Like, yeah. you can make a million of Texas, and nobody even has to know about it. Like, exactly. You know I mean? like, and uh, did you ever do, like, East Coast or Midwest? Oh, I love or? East Coast. Yeah. I, I love East Coast. I love East Coast because it's quick, bro. And it's Like it's the style, wick. you mean? Yeah, it's quick. Like, you can't, like, for Dave Chappelle to do what he does on the East Coast is like, wow, that's how badass he is. Because I know comics, they go up there and they're professionals, but they, they don't start off right away. Yeah. Me, that's right. What's up, fuckers? Right away. Yeah. I want to get them. What's up, fuckers? And I start talking. Because in East Coast, some comics would go put the beer down, adjust the mic, look at this and that, and they would get start getting booed. Boo, nigga! Like, that's yeah. it. And that's it. Once they start booing you, it's over. Yeah. Like, if you start getting confrontational, this one dude, hold up, bro. Like, hurry the fuck up, nigga. And that's it. It's over. It's, it's, they booing them. One thing, uh, I've interviewed a couple uh, New York comics on here like uh chris de stefano and then i met andrew schultz who's blown up by the way mm-hmm. uh he's out of new york i met him in miami and uh and then and then mo mo did three years in new york but when, one thing they say is um is like you're on the subway you're it's in a crowded ass fast city like sh- your shit's happening to you like you're you're interacting with a lot of people so when that audience member gets to the show they already have been through some shit and they want to hurry up and like you gotta talk about that, that's why they do a lot of crowd work right yeah. out there because yeah. they're like hey what, what's your thing da, da, da. sometimes yeah. it's a little weird if you're not like used to it yeah because it's nothing but crowd work tv people don't like that like tv people will see somebody just kill but they're like nope like that's not they, good for tv because they're thinking well what's your sitcom like yeah. I, I need to look at your persona and your material, and I need to know how we cast in this thing. Like we see Fluffy is the best friend. We got da da da. Yeah. So on, so, so they on. just and me, I tell stories, so I don't write jokes. So it's fun. Like like you know, because comics are back there writing and they're practicing, and and they all have to write their set, what they're gonna say, like and, a script. Yeah, and they're like, Juan, is Juan gonna do his? And like, nope. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because you know, I would see twenty comedians, and I'm like. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about that. Because they would just step on your stuff. Yeah. That was hard doing a Latino show. And you got 12 Mexicans on the show. Oh, chanclas and Vicks and Sprite. <laughs> Man. And people say stealing. And it's like, bro, like you put 100 Mexicans, Latino comics, and put them all in a different room and tell them to write 10 minutes. About 50, 60 of them are going to come out with the same shit. It starts overlapping. Yeah, it starts. It's like we all got the crazy uncle. It's going to be a, a relationship joke or, you know what I mean? It's whatever. It's just yeah. like, it was hard, bro. It was hard. That's why I said I'm going to start telling stories because they were writing jokes and stuff. That's what I was going to ask earlier. Were you around the comedy store in Mencia when he was being accused of like the, the joke stealing and all that? 
Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I hung out with him yeah, for a year. Cause, uh, boys, yeah. yeah, so I, I would, uh, people didn't like me because I hung out with him. Oh, really? Yeah. But I'm like, if I see Carlos Steele, like, I would call him out. Yeah. Like, I'd be the first, like, that's why people that know me, they're like, Juan ain't going to fucking roll with a nigga that's going to steal like that. Yeah. Juan, Juan has checked some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. In Hollywood, bro, movie stars. And, hey, bro, he, that's his joke. That, that's not cool like that's straight stealing because yeah. you don't even do that that ain't even your life and you know what i mean it's like people that smoke weed and then people don't smoke weed and people that don't smoke weed they can write funny jokes but don't act like you're high you're doing it yeah, and this yeah, and then yeah. they come off stage and then you're that's yeah. not that's not you it's not authentic it's not authentic it's not that's why when i was there that's the word that kept using you're so authentic you're so authentic and i had to stop you like why are you saying that yeah like what does that mean like i know what it means but tell me she's like you're real I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm real. My shit's oh, real. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. That's, that's when I, said, man, I was hanging out with Tupac. It's one of the joint Tupac. Like Tupac told me, like nigga, you real? I said, shit, nigga, you yeah, Pac. Man, if Pac nigga. told you you real, that that's all it took right there. I looked at everybody else in a whole different. That's why he's staring at the world through the rear view. Yeah. That's why I tell people rear view mirrors are small because that's your past behind you. Yeah, windshields are big, bro. That's your future. That's where Damn. you're going. So and then you know he was a philosopher and you know we both big Bruce Lee fans. So oh, I didn't know Pac was a Bruce Lee fan. Shit, man, he didn't go nowhere without his movies. Without yeah, his what? Without his Bruce Lee movies and stuff. Oh, like, no yeah. shit. And when he found out I could do the new Chuck and stuff, like, this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's so. like, motherfucker, you trill, trill. He said, man, he's like, I just saw you do Fat Tuesdays, man. I ain't never seen a Mexican go up on stage and say nigga and get a standing ovation. Man. Never, no. bro. Never. You had John Singleton. You had these people. Oh, he was naming all these celebrities. The Shaq was there, man. This and that. Christopher Darden. A whole bunch of people. Like, everybody was, was what there. Was the, what was the, if you don't mind me asking, man, what was the joke? That, that Tupac heard when you said the N-word up there. I think it was about, a, uh, man, I said it a couple times, but it was about that movie. Like, the, about the flood people. That was my strong, man, we're going to stick around, dry up. Like, why, why the fuck? Shit. Oh, like, what a, you going to uh, do? Like, shit, nigga, I'm on move. Nigga, like, look, my, all my lawnmowers are wet and stuff. Like, yeah. I said, yeah, it was. Oh, it was more like a detail. And, yeah, and it, wasn't a, it wasn't a joke about black people. Uh, it was just, that's just how I grew up. Yeah, it wasn't like a punchline. You yeah. just threw it in there mm -hmm. and how you talk. And and they, I got to stand in the <laughs> That's so like, funny. Yeah, because I've seen, I've seen comics get guns pulled on them for saying the wrong shit. Get the fuck off. Stay. <laughs> it's over, bro, so. Damn. Yep, and I was doing that shit in Detroit, Atlanta, Damn. Chicago, the Bronx, Brook, Compton, Watts. But I was hanging out with them. Like I was the only dude that would go hang out with them dudes. Like I wasn't hanging out with Mexicans out there. I was going. Did anyone ever take you calling them fucker too serious? Nah, not not fuckers. Kind Nothing of funny. ever popped out because of that. Not. Oh, one guy goes, "What'd you say?" One time, this guy goes, a long time ago, a black man stood up. He goes, "What'd you what'd you say? What'd you call us?" I'm like, "I ain't call you that." I said, "What's up, fuckers?" How the fuck you gonna go on stage and call me a motherfucker? Like, whoa, whoa, man, you're cussing now, bro. That's a cuss word, sir. That's a bad word, man. Nah, man. This dude is cussing and the crowd got it and then he got it. And oh, he was like, trying nah, to heckle. No, 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 fucker. That's that's a cuss word. Oh, he's trying to heckle. Yeah, no, he, he got offended. Like he thought that I was that I went yeah. up there and said motherfucker, and, yeah. I, and I didn't. And I was like, no, nah, man, I didn't. That's crazy, oh, why, why would man. I say that? I'm trying not to say nigga on stage no more. I try, it comes out every now and then, but I try to stay away from that word because it's a little negative and well, so, yeah, I mean, some people could misunderstand, but apparently, I mean, however you said it, a, a whole in front of a whole black audience, they're just like, man, dude, what? I got I got Corey Holcomb, who's really popular right now, going to about if one nigga in Houston I like this one nigga, and he a funny nigga, he a Mexican nigga, he he he's funny, 
And I think his name is Juan Valero. And I, I put it on my Facebook because he called me Juan Valero. I said, shit, I wish. I'll take it. <laughs> but that, that dude sounds rich. <laughs> yeah, so I actually saw the clip. Corey Holcomb, very funny comedian, has a podcast that's on YouTube. It's called like 5150 Podcast. Yep. And he shouted out Juan saying like, hey, there's a motherfucker in Houston that, yeah. Because he, he like named a couple, I think. If I'm not mistaken, I need to go back and watch it. But he like named a couple big names. He's like, but however. There's a motherfucking H-Town. Funniest Mexican yeah. ever. Yeah. Ever. He was, he was saying that. I was watching him like, that's cool, man. That's cool. But then he said, yeah, but he's a motherfucking gangster. Like, oh. because Oh, he, yeah, yeah. He said he take his kids with him, man. No, because he rolls with his sons. Yeah, his Cause sons. Because I, yeah, I had my boys with me. But when he called me a gangster, like, oh, because people still remember the old wine. Like, yeah. I've changed a whole lot, man. I'm 52. When I was 32, yeah, I was... You know what I mean? I was squaring up with niggas all over the place. Yeah. Calm down. This is going to be a friendly fight. Motherfucker, we going... Because I was working in Cantina, so that's all I did was fight. Right. So I, I knew how to fight and I'd really hurt people. We hit them in the jaw and nothing. I'd do body shots so so we could still be friends. <laughs> so when I went to Compton, we you knew how to, You know how to measure, like, I'm not going to break your rib. Nah, I would just tell, like, look, bro, we're going to do this, but this is going to be a friendly fight. And what, 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 what you talking about, dude? Like for sport. Like, you like, 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 like we're going to fight. Shot. I'm not going like, to hurt you. Like, we're going to fight. If I knock you down, I'm going to let you get up and, and we still, we're going to fight. Well, I ain't gonna let you get up. I'm like, okay, bro. But I'm gonna let you get up. Cause that, that's how I do it. I'm not gonna hit you in the face. Oh, I'm gonna knock the fuck out. You're like, okay. But after we fight, nigga, we're gonna smoke a joint and talk about it. Cause we might have shit in common. Cause it's a we, friendly we, fight. Yeah. So they would come at me and, da, 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 and after, you know, a, a, one or two drives, they'd be like, hold up, dog. What you do? Like, this. This. This is what I've been doing for five years, bro. Like, I'd rather smoke a joint with you and chill. Cause that little chest punch, that could have gone straight to the jaw. That little head to the kick, that that could have gone anywhere. That little headbutt, yeah, that yeah. that could have gone anywhere. We could have took that out. Yeah, and he, and he knew that. And then it, it it turned out we were smoking, and I was teaching him the move. Man, I, when you hit me right here, how'd you do that? <laughs> I did it like I twisted a little bit, like that. Cause that one right here hurt, man. You see, cause the but, overhand right, you trying to reach around the ear. Yeah. You really hitting him back here. He goes, cause you fooled me, man. Because you went like this, so I had to lift up my hand to block you. Cause yes, I, was, right. I was wondering why you gonna hit me so high. So I went like this. And when I'm blocking you, you know what I mean? Then I, I, would, I would swing like this, so they would block me, and then all oh, this is wide open. So I was like, ah, boom. <laughs> Say, man, that. Yeah. So, 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 like, when you yeah. did the double jab, did somebody goes, teach you that? Go, man, that shit still hurt. And then this other dude, like, nigga, y'all only fought for like 10 seconds. Like, how many fucking days? It was just funny. We had a lot of those funny oh, moments. But, but it was just fun hanging out with them. And then, you know, they would do drive bys, everybody drop. You know what I mean? You'd hear, like, yeah, I was, I wasn't all, all that mirror, bro. I wasn't. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was just. In the hood. Yeah. It was, that was just how I lived. It was scary. Like, you know what, Chingo? I look at the video that we did. I'm from Houston Fuckers. That people loved it, whatever. And, you know, there's copies all over the fucking world. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I, that's not me. Like, what do you mean? ooh, like the material I did. I'm like, wow. Oh, the, uh, the stand up yeah, portion? Yeah, I was like, wow, I can't believe that, man. Like, can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. What do you think it was too, uh, like, uh, vulgar? Ghetto. Or? Fuck uh. yeah, bro. It was, yeah. Was it? You I was were, getting a little cocky because I was selling out. I was making money, and uh, and then when I saw it, I was like, "Fuck!" So you feel like uh, the material you prepared, um, you wish you would have took it in a different direction? Or? Yeah, because you know that's like the first time that I had control over me filming some shit. And I've tried to do specials with other people, like and it, people get involved, and and then other you know other entities get involved too, and it just fucks up. It's, it's never gone right. Uh -huh. So I told Romero, you know what? The next special I do, I'm gonna do it by myself. I'm just gonna do it by myself the way I fucking want to do it. I'm a visionary. I know, 
I know exactly when they're going to laugh. I know what camera, to, you know what I mean? I'm going to look. I, I'm, I already got it written down. So next time I do it, because right now I look at my comedy and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like I can look at my video and it makes me laugh. Yeah. Like, oh, the shit, that shit's funny. Yeah. Like that's one of them, the ones getting like 100,000 views. That's my first one getting 100,000. And then the food stamp one, that's like at 150. And it, I'm like, these are recent? You put them up? Yeah, I just put them up because some page shared it. Because everybody was sharing the thing. Um, We were so poor, the light company came and blew out our candle. We said no lights. It was a meme. We said no lights. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's. And then I, I was tagging them with my joke. I was sending them my joke. Like all those fuckers, I, at least to two or 3,000 people. I would sit there at home like, okay, motherfucker. Did it have your picture on the meme? No, no. It would have my joke. They would hit it be like, man, we were poor with the light coming. Oh, in. it was a video. It was a video. Oh. So people would hit me back like, damn, man, that's you, bro. Like, wow. How amazing is it, man, that yeah. you can go from like, from BT to, did you ever do Que Locos? Yeah. So like Que Locos, like all these different things. And as the game is changing and evolving, material you wrote years ago is coming full circle in a meme form yeah. Yeah. because there's a thing called facebook and yeah and you know what that joke was written by saint anthony so i did that joke i i stole it or whatever but i i I, one? I that one the the lights because okay, he, no he light. yeah because he goes you know he would do it you know a little bit more tame like i have a lot of energy yeah so he would just be chill like the light coming came blew out our candle we said no lights bitch and it was still funny yeah and then i did it i did it. i don't know why i did it I haven't seen my boys in a while. Rodney Bing, I did a joke from him too, and I haven't I haven't seen them. And I did a longer set, and but they put those jokes in there. I, I didn't know what jokes were gonna get put in there, and and they were funny, and we're cool. We talk about like, hey man, did you? I know, motherfucker, I saw that, and and we we it's all good. But that joke came back, like you said, wow. around, like yeah, that one joke. That's what I'm saying. That's one thing about comedy, man. That like like we were talking about Rick earlier. That it's it's never too late like I even look at like Joey Diaz and it's like I mean I haven't been following his whole career forever but I know him big time due to podcasting and it's like he I think I think it's one of those where like man even with me man I was doing the rap shit for the longest and sure I I had notoriety like people knew me my stuff was spreading through like LimeWire and stuff like that or I had I had some good looks like oh you were on MTV and some magazines Uh, but this comedy thing man like just as a skill and as a craft and as a new art form it, it's something totally new um some people don't get it they're like man some, like why are you why are you going because they in their mind they think oh so you're doing comedy now. yeah they think it's a step back for some reason nah i, I love it man it's, i know it's i so think strange. it's a parallel move but yeah. more than anything it's, it, it's a great improvement yeah for me and just in my career it's like chingo 2.0 like i'm just so thankful and grateful yeah. to even be in this in this game bro i love it yeah and and those people that, that think that or say that they i just I, say come to a show and yeah, you'll see yeah i don't i don't pay attention to them like i mean yeah. like i don't address people like i put this one to go this dude is lame as fuck he's putting down our race every time i there's a i don't know the two twenty twenty eight hundred shares yeah, i don't know how trolls. many comments everybody's loving it loving it whatever and i'm like I'm like, bro, I wasn't, that wasn't a joke. And he goes, these jokes are, you know, they're talking about being poor and being on food. I said, like, that was not a joke. I was talking about my life. Yes, for real. And I like, and I said, uh, so I said, there's a lot of comedians out there. You know what I mean? Find the ones that you like and watch them and don't watch the ones you don't like. Yeah. Be safe. Yeah. And then I put, oh, by the way, I don't put down my, my uh, he spilled it all fucked up. He, you know, his spelling was all fucked yeah. up. I said, I don't put down my race. Like, if you would, you know, he don't even know the movie parts that I turned down because I feel like, nah, that's going to make me look gangster more. I'm going to be in prison. And 
I lost big money because of shit like that. So it's like, this fucker doesn't even know me. Mm-hmm. I said, but I'm not making our people look bad. You're the one that went out of your way when you could have sent somebody you love a text, I love you. I, I got it written down. And I said, uh, instead, you took time to fucking yeah, write yeah, down yeah. this dude is lame as fuck. Yeah. So you're making us look bad. Not me, fucker. Like, yeah. I'm just doing comedy. And yeah. this dude went out of his way. Like, instead of sending somebody a text that I love you, he fucking decided, no, I'm going to text this dude and tell him he's a lame fuck. You're doing so, a comment. And yeah. I said, you know what? You want a little publicity? And I never put people like that. And I put them on my page. And yeah, now. They damn, lit his ass yeah. up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now he's getting messages. People going like, sup, fucker? Sup <laughs> from scary looking dudes. Like, Jeez. yeah. I was like, and I don't do that, bro. I, don't, I stay away from all hate. Like negative. this is gonna be a friendly fight. Uh, yeah, this I, is the nunchucks. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not even gonna say nothing. I'm gonna let everybody else look. And yeah, he got attacked. But it's like, why would you fucking call me a lame fuck? And you see all these views, you know? What I mean, getting like I can give people props. Like Ricky Tedes, people don't know that, but Ricky Tedes is one of the first Latino comedians that started doing like the East Coast, Indianapolis, with, with a bunch of white people. Like a Midwest. whole lot. Of, yeah, he opened a whole bunch of doors. Like white people would go see a Mexican because, no, we saw one last time and he was funny because he's a great writer. Yeah. So he would go up there and kill it. So Rick, people don't know that, but Rick was one of the first ones out there doing white clubs, like, you know, loony bands and stuff like that. And some that aren't around anymore. So I, that's why I got a lot of respect from. That's why when you said they kind of bothered, hurt me a little bit. Like, hold on, fuck it, we're friends. <laughs> we do it in private, bro. Like, that's you know what I mean? You could have said you got a hemorrhoid. How's your hemorrhoid? That, <laughs> that would have that been better. The hemorrhoid thing would have been better. Drugs, like because people start rumors and yeah. I'm like, I heard, I heard it, and it's like, hey, hold on, bro. Like, it's like we got to nip this. And you in know, the I have so much energy on stage. People always come up to me, hey, man. I got something. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, that's just my style. Yeah, <laughs> people think that I'm I'm wired. I'm like, bro, I drink like this much Dr Pepper before I get on stage, and I'm good. Like, I can do an hour. I don't drink water. I don't. I can't do that. I feel like I'm cheating the crowd. I can't just sit there and take oh, a sip yeah, of water. Yeah. Like I just because it's supposed to feel like a party or something. Or what do you mean? I don't know. I just get in the zone, bro. Oh, got it. You know, uh, I don't know if you've been there. You're like maybe before the show, you feel a little weird or Jitters. you ate something or or maybe you don't feel good. But then as soon as you hit the stage, everything goes away. Yeah, like I've sure. been to places and I've been. I don't like to eat before the show. Like I have my my routine or whatever. And then if I do eat, it's safe. It'll be, you know, Chinese food or white rice with teriyaki chicken and some broccoli. You know what I mean? But, you know, they taking me places to Cajun places and, and soul food places. Spicy. They feeding me between 5 and 6, 6.30. Then I got to go change. And then, yeah, about 8 o'clock, 8.15, my stomach is like, hey, man. So I told my manager, hey, bro, I think I got to go, like, right now. He's like, man, you, they, they, they're announcing you. Like, no, nah, man, like, I got to go right now. And you, you got to go. But we as soon as they say your name, you go on stage, it goes away. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can do 30 minutes and, da, 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 and laugh and pause. Bye, bye. And then thank you. And as soon as you get off stage, like, <laughs> move it. <laughs> it's coming. Damn. But son. that stage will take away everything. It'll take away your flu, your jitter. I mean, it'll just everything. I love that stage. Like you're free. You can, sure. You're just free, bro. That's the best. That's like my safety zone. Like my my safe place is the stage. Bro. One thing Juan would tell me right before: have fun, have fun, fucker. Like don't forget to have fun. And <laughs> hey, man, have fun. That's what this is about. And that's true. That's great advice because. You know, although this is an art form and we take it serious and there's a whole business side and you want to give people your best and you want to nitpick your material. At the end of the day, he's right, man. Like we all we all got into this because it's a fucking dope ass job. And when you're having fun, it shows they have fun. And like yeah. me, you, you know me, Juan, like I'll get in my head. I'll drown in a glass of water. Like I'll get anxiety. I'll overthink some shit. So every once in a while, that's one of the things I remind myself is like, dude, if you don't if you're not relax, if you don't hurry up, fucking relax before you go up there brother it's gonna show it's gonna be weird body language and you're gonna lose them so fucking have fun fucker yeah just have fun 
But like, you got the business part too. Like, you want to give him your best look because you're not the only one, bro. Edward Hernandez, my boy, he throws up almost ninety percent of the time before he goes on stage. He's talking to you. With me, it's kind oh, of hard. Oh, uh, little Eddie. Yeah, because it's hard with me because we show up. Like, he likes to go to the show. It starts at eight. He likes to be there like at seven fifteen, and I get there like at eight oh five, eight ten. Like, so it's like, hey, bro, I, I, what I do? Like, you're going on stage because hey, they're announcing you. So we go from the car. He would have to run straight to the stage. He'd have time to throw up. Uh, but if he stands there, Rick Gutierrez. Ooh, ooh, like that really? Fucking, yeah, Rick Gutierrez is like that, dude. He's to this day, which I respect. It's like because it's show business. Like, you know what I mean? You can do your show, but there's still a business part. Those are your people. You want them to come back. You want to look good and stuff. But yeah. I realized that. But see, I got taught by the best, dude. Yeah. Paul Mooney and Eddie. Have fun. Yeah. Nigga, you ain't having fun. You're taking this shit too serious and have fun. Yeah. And that's why I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, have fun. I'm ready to soak it up. So, what kind of show? Um, this sounds. This, I hate when people ask the question like this. What should people expect at the improv this Wednesday, the 20th? But I'm curious, man. Like, what type of material, man? Like, what's well, the man, vibe going to be like? Right, right now, it's fun. Like, my comedy is it's coming. Like, I'm feeling like, cause, you know, for, for the last five years, I've been taking care of my parents, bro. Uh-huh. And I've been going through a whole lot. And I need, I had to go to a psychiatrist. Like, I don't even want to talk to my friends. Because I call them and like, how you doing, man? Man, my dad's. Like, I was, yeah. I would start talking about my parents. Because, yeah, I was the only one taking care of. I'm still the only one. My mom's at a facility. She's doing good. My dad's all fucked up right now. But he's still hanging in there. But I got, I, I'm, I did everything that I can do. Like, you know what I mean? I, I did good. The doctors are telling me like, that's enough one. Like you need help. The doctors yeah. are getting involved and, and stuff like that. So I, and I don't want to cry on stage because people don't give a fuck, Chingo, like what you go through. Uh-huh. Like if people pay to go see you, they want to see Chingo Bling. They don't, they don't care if you had problems or yeah. somebody died. They don't, and we got to accept that. Like we have to accept that. My mom had a, a peg tube, my stepmom in her stomach do cancer. So I had to, that's how, that's when it started. So I had to put medicine every four hours. I gave up comedy for nine months. And that hurt me, that hurt Ramido. Cause like, hey fucker, you're doing shows. And like, cause you know, we're not getting paid now. Like, hold on bro. And it was, I was living in like in a, just a day. just every four hours, medicine, water, her food, the machine, prime the machine. You had to put gloves on, you had to do all that. And then I set up some shows because her surgery was supposed to, you know, they were gonna take out the tumor and everything was gonna go good. But at the end, they, they found two more masses. So she was supposed to, we went to surgery Friday. I'm like, cool, I can do my shows because I sold out. I sold out, a, uh, I sold out Thursday, two Friday, and two Saturday. I had sold out five shows. Where at? At the joke joint, at oh, the comedy okay. showcase. That's when Danny still had it. Okay. I think Danny still had it right there. And uh, I think it was Danny because, because she passed away. She says, like, she goes, uh, she, I walked in a room, the family's all there, and she's looking at me. She goes, what they say, mijo? And I just went like, and she was like, "What? Well, I'm gonna die?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna <sighs> die, mom. Like, that's it." And she goes, "Cause she told me don't lie to me. Nunca me mentiras, you go over the And I was the one, you know, putting. Low. I was taking care of her, dude. So every day, every day, like I had like maybe three days off those nine months. Three days where Carlos took me to Vegas for the doctors. They had to do a lot of shit for me to go. They had to get my. They had to do a lot of shit and for me to go to Vegas to go to go have fun and you know what I mean do a show." And I went out and took it out on the crowd because I went out there and beat the fuck out that crowd. Yeah. And then, uh, friendly fight. And then I was, you know, we were preparing for the surgery, and I said no. And she's like, "When is your show?" So I'm like, "Thursday, mom." And the she goes, "Okay, I'll die by Wednesday." I'm like, "Shit, up, So I'm pouring the morphine in her body Saturday and Sunday, and I hate doing that. You know what I mean? Like, because my mom's touching me. I mean, with the glass of and it's like, okay, mom. But she goes, "That's okay. Look at your diga, and I'm killing it, bro. I'm, I'm pouring the fucking morphine and stuff." And then, yeah, she passed away Wednesday. Wednesday, because I had a little alarm. We had a, I built a little house behind my dad's house. I was living there, and my tia was there, 
and she wasn't my mom was already out of it you know but i went to talk to her because they could still hear i said i love you mom jojo's okay i'm gonna take your dad blah blah that's all this stuff and then uh matthias says it's not gonna be long and then i went in there and then she rang the bell boop i can still feel that fucking bell like what do you mean the bell like like you know what I mean? Like, I bought the bell because, like, if my mom needs me, oh. call me. But when she beeped it, my mom didn't need me. So it's like, like, she died. Like, my tia's like, like, that's it. So then I went in there and I talked to her and stuff. And she still gave me one little squeeze. Mm. And it's like, okay. And then the next day I had a show. <laughs> so I went. We did all that. And I went to go do the show. They went and picked her up that night. They came. And uh, the morphine, the DEA showed up. They wanted all the drugs and shit. Like, take it. Like, we, we want this. We want, like, take it. They get all the drugs, do the morphine, they put it in a little bag and they crush it up and it, it disappears. It's crazy. There's some little rocks in there. And I'm like, we don't, I don't want no cancer medicine. You take yeah. all that shit. Mm. So they took that and then Thursday, they're like, you okay? Like, yeah. And I did, I did my five shows. I didn't even, I didn't even bring it up. I posted to the, so the family could know Sunday. So I rocked them Thursday, killed them Friday, fucked them up Saturday. And then Sunday I said, hey, my mom passed away, mm. blah, 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 whatever. So what year, when was this? This was, uh. 13. Oh, That's what I was And then, like, two months later, my dad's kid, he started going bad. Like, what the fuck? And then like, he's on dialysis. And then my mom got dementia after that. So it's like, for five years, bro, five years, I've been fucking just put appointments. Put put appointments. But I don't talk about that. I'm, I'm just telling you what, what yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, Right yeah, now, no. my, com my comedy is like, because my psychiatrist is like, you doing good, whatever. And so now it's like, I'm ready to fuck this world up. Like, I'm ready. Like, I feel good. I've been working out. I've been trying to stay healthy. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go fuck some shit up. Bro. And you know what's crazy, man, is like, as a as a as a comedian, you know, sometimes people need a laugh, and you're out there giving them the dosage. You're you're the drip, the jokes. That's the morphine, and yeah. you're, you're people are releasing this energy. Like, um, I remember one time I was having a bad, bad, bad day, and I saw a Fluffy that night in Beaumont, and he fucking made me laugh, and I was like, okay, that's a really cool job. Because, you know, what we do. And, I, and later I got into stand-up, but I always remember that. That's why we always do a prayer before. Like, somebody might be depressed. They might need a laugh. Allow us to spread. Bro. Do our job. And, uh, and so on and so forth. So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is this, man. Is, you know, life, a lot of real stuff comes with it. Like, what you've experienced. And even though you have, like, let's say your psychiatrist that, that um, you know, is helping you in that department you're a psychiatrist to the yeah. people because you you as a comedian man as a writer like you have to look at life different than the average person so you, you look at am, am i wrong right no, you look at right, life bro. through a different little bit of a lens you're anal you analyze it different your whole perspective on things and then you know what you know the scariest thing is when people say hey you saved my life <sighs> like like people say that like ramiro's been there ramiro's been there he's heard soldiers and shit like hey man I was gonna kill myself. Mm. I had already wrote the note and everything, but I started binge watching you on fucking YouTube. Oh my God, your fucking outlook on life. Like, wow. Like, I wanna give you this. I, I didn't put it on because I was in a hurt, but I, I always wear the, uh, for the soldiers, the hotline, the 1 800 suicide. Uh -huh. I, I go to school, talk to kids about bullying. Uh -huh. I do a lot of great stuff, dude. That's why I don't cry in this game. Like, mm -hmm. okay, because life is gonna hit you. Whenever I feel bad, like, sometimes I sit on the couch. And I'm like, damn, like my mom's doctor called me or my dad's doctor, this, 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 all this bad shit is, you know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, like, sometimes I want to say like, why me? Like, what it's a lot of fuck? weight. Like, wait a minute. But then I think about those kids I go see at the Shriners Hospital and my, my soldiers that I go see at the VA and they're all fucked up and missing arms and legs and, and they're out there doing this for us. So it's like, you know what I mean? Man, no motherfucker. Like, there's kids that I, you know what I mean? There's kids that are sick. No, they're, they're, 
So it's like, yeah, I can't cry. And I'm like, okay. I'm not too religious. I'm, I'm not in too much into the God thing. I believe in something, but not this dude that, yeah. I mean, that whatever. It's just, it's just scary. So I feel like there's something good out there. So I think that that's what helps me not be a bad person because we can, we can say anything. We can, we can fuck people's heads up. Mm-hmm. We can make them feel good. I've had a lady go, mijo, I want to talk to you. Like, okay, but so, you know, he goes, my son died about a year ago. I haven't been out the house for a year. They made me come see you, and I am so glad. I know mm-hmm. mijo smiling at me. So when they tell you that, you're like, oh, man, yeah. I'm glad. Your son is smiling at you. So, And then I have a friend of mine, uh, Teresa. She went. Her son made her go to the improv to go see me. And then that was a Thursday, and he got into an accident and passed away Saturday. I mean, we're still friends. Me and the lady, we're still friends on Facebook because I got the last videos, you know, of us. But it's like, wow, like, and she still comes to my shows and they want to laugh. So, yeah, that power that we have on Laughter stage. Is power. That, that's what people don't understand. Like, some of these comments go up to just say, blah, 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 just to get some reactions, say nasty shit. It's like, that's not, that's not comedy. There's fuckers. no substance. Yeah, that's, that's not comedy. You're just, that's just gibberish. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like, I don't get it, dude. Comedy's hard. Yeah. It's supposed to be hard. Like, to make cry, anybody can me. I can tell you a sad story and make you cry, but to make people laugh, that shit is hard. And I like that. Like, I love that. That's why I do, like, you know, like, all black rooms. Where just, I'm the only Mexican in that motherfucker. Like, that's it. And then I do, you know, corporate gigs. Then I do high schools. Then I do junior high. Then I do my shows. Then I do Latino stuff. And so, it's fun. Dude, they hit me up. It's random out the blue. If I wanted to do, uh, I think, 15 minutes to open up for Julio Iglesias. Wow. I'm not too sure how Julio Iglesias is or what his crowd looks like or what they might be expecting. But I was like, um, I don't think I'm ready uh, to do a Spanish set in front of a older crowd. Right. And I'm assuming, right? It might be fucking millennials in there for all I know. But I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of last minute. Because it's supposed to be like this Friday or something. Oh, wow, man. It's in Sugarland, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's that's like, National Center. I was like, Julio Iglesias. That's yeah. crazy, huh, bro? Like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to fuck that up. <laughs> but, but, but it's I'm not going to look bad like, like that. I, I tried to do Spanish. You saw me the first time. And I'm like, yeah, I'll work on it first for a minute. Cause oh, you don't do that either? No, it was, it was hard. Yeah. Like, it was all Spanish. So it was, oh, it was yeah, hard. Right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah, we got to translate the shit. And, but no, yeah. I didn't want to. But now I want to. Just for the challenge? Yeah. Now yeah. it's like, like I'm, I'm excited to do Spanish. Like, it's like. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, shows are so easy. I mean, comedy is just so easy. It's just too easy. That's why this show is going to be so much fun. I got a whole bunch of new material, and my shows are fun, but it's just too easy for some people. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. some people got to work really hard at it. That's this Wednesday the 20th at the Houston Improv, Juan Villarreal Live. And, uh, shit, oh, my headphones are tripping. Uh, but um, I want to ask you, man, this is, like, hella random. But uh, the nunchucks. How'd you get into the nunchucks? Is a Bruce Lee fan? Or? Fuck yeah, bro. I was a Bruce Lee. I could do all everything. I don't throw them up in the air like some people because that ain't the way you fight with them. That's but not yeah, a friendly the, fight. <laughs> yeah, that's not. No, though. See, the nunchucks is to take people out. And my dad made limbs. Yeah, my dad made me some whatever. And when I was young, I was a uh, Bruce Lee died in '73. I was five years old. Uh-huh. So by the time I was seven, I was a master. I could do both of them, whatever. But when I was younger. You know, when he died, whatever, I cried a whole lot. I I, I cried, and Bruce Lee was my hero, whatever. And then I saw him with Batman and Robin because he beat up a, because he was supposed to. He he did a, a episode with Batman and Robin, the original Batman and Robin, and uh, Robin was supposed to beat him up, 
And Bruce was like, nah. <laughs> and then Batman was so bad. They said, okay, well then Batman will beat you up. And Bruce was like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna look right. Yeah. Because yeah. you know they were Kato and the Green Hornet. So if you watch the episode, they're fighting and uh, <laughs> Robin comes at him and Bruce he pow, just kicks him. And he's like, Batman, help! And then Batman goes at him and he beats up Batman too. So now they're kind of standing off and. And they say they're like, that, this isn't in yeah, the script. <laughs> yeah, they, there's like two, you know, Cato, the Green Hornet, and Batman and Robin, and they're just there. And then the guy comes up, is this a Mexican standoff? What's going to happen? And, and that's how it ended. Like, that's how that episode ended. Damn. Yeah, but Bruce Lee, so he was a big fan of mine. I mean, I was a big fan of his. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I send messages to his, his daughter. Oh. Yeah, his daughter right now, is, you know, because she's got a store and stuff. And wow. me and Bruce make it to in uh, Seattle. Washington. Oh, that, that's where he's buried, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a dog. Yeah, bro. Him and his son. His son's right next to him. Brandon. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was like a freak accident, right? Do you believe in the conspiracy that it's like some kind of weird curse? Or man, so I don't. I don't want to, but yeah. sometimes you you get like, wow, man, that's just it was tragic because those accidents don't happen. Like you don't put a real bullet into a a prop gun. Yeah, like that doesn't. And they said it wasn't a real bullet. It was kind of like a fragment. From whatever, so. like a weird. Because yeah. Steven Seagal got really upset. I don't know if y'all know that, but he, y'all, y'all never seen this thing. That yeah, it's, he, he said a bunch of shit, dude. About what, what did Steven Seagal say? Like who, someone's irresponsible. Yeah, or? I hope. But he said, dude, he thrashed him. Like real professional. I, I can't, you know, quote you everything because it's so long ago. But yeah, dude, kind of like, like he, y'all he, killed him. He, he was like, saying some impactful shit. Like was like, oh wow, hmm. oh shit. Like yeah, people hitting me up. Juan, you watching this shit? Like yep. Like, damn, what do you think? Like, damn, he's, he was being hard on him. You still golf? Fuck yeah. How's, yeah, that, how's that going, your golf game? Because yeah, I've I, never I, played, so I'm I lost it a little bit, but my boy Joey in Arizona took me out there, and he got me the hand and stuff, and I was killing it, bro. I'm, and right now I'm doing, and I just played at Gus Wortham because they, they remodeled it. So Wait, is like, that the Magnolia? Or the one yeah, the one like, by, the, by the Fiesta. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a really, really nice course now, man. And I was killing it. I got me like four birdies cars like i'm, it's I'm, I'm gonna, we're, comics talk a lot of shit so and i'm trying to put it together where i get 72 comedians everybody puts up 1500 and we pay the top 10 places so it, we're gonna play pga rules because everybody talks a lot of shit bro in golf oh, friendly fight pga yeah. rules yeah. no man golfing it, it's called golf beef like me and bro man i love bro man that that's the first guy that took me on tour 92 93 that dude's from galveston we family but in golf no i'm a we Nope, I'm a, but nope. Don't who, who, got, who got you into golf? I was playing because I was living in San Antonio, and I was this guy wanted me to do a bunch of shows for him, so he was paying me monthly. And I was living like right by the golf course, so I just I started going to the driving range with my kids so they can go. Yeah. And then I started hitting some balls pretty far, and I'm like, damn, I didn't know go that far. And then I just got into it. I just started playing every day because they would let me borrow the golf clubs. And then in three months, I hit a hole in one. I hit a hole in one. I've only hit one my whole life. I hit a hole in one after three months. Right in front of Vance. What do you I say? The, I hit the ball, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's going to be a hole in one because you got to go over water. The, the green is uh-huh. over there. But I'm like, that's going right there. That's going to be a hole in one. That's going to be a hole in one. It was May 16th, 1996, and it was on the 16th hole at Brackenridge. And I'm looking at, and I'm looking at Vance. is looking, and that ball rolled. It bounced in front of the hole. And, bloop. and I went like, 
oh, that's a hole in one. And there was some people leaving because the tee box is right next to their, that green. That's a hole in one. I made the ball. It went in there. And one of the guys went and looked in the hole. He's like, ooh. And he pointed this guy. He pointed the guy. Ooh. And they were all plotting. Hole in one. Vance looked at me. He's like, man, shit. I'm like, dude, I got a hole in one. Man, everybody gets those. That ain't shit. Damn. Yeah, hating. like, yeah, hating motherfucker. <laughs> and now he thinks he could beat me. And, you know what I mean? Oh, I could beat you on one because he golfs a lot. He works at a golf course now. Oh, okay. He got deep into it. But I'm an athlete, bro. I play pool, basketball, softball, baseball. It's like, you know I mean, kick. I'm at home. I'm doing jumping off the couch. I'm doing all sorts of shit. Dude. I'm going <laughs> crazy, bro. Just cause I sit at home a lot. You know I mean, I gotta be yeah. trying to rest. You know, I was going through a whole lot of shit. My, my family, I didn't want to be out in the streets or nothing. And yeah. So I'm just gonna regather myself. And man, I'm I'm lucky because I'm getting calls from a lot of people. Going to Vegas. I'm going to. We just rescheduled that one, but. I'm going all over, bro. I'm doing the Kickapoo. They're going to send a car for me to San Antonio to come yeah. pick me up. And, you know, so. That's awesome, You know bro. what, bro? You know, I, I don't want to say this, but I got to say this. Because I went to go see D.L. Hughley. Uh-huh. And uh, D.L. came to get me. He came and got me. And uh, George Lopez was on the show. So D.L., Cedric, and Eddie Griffin, they were what's up, Juan? Mm. They showed me mad love. George stood next to me. And I was like, sup, George? He's like, ah, I didn't even want to talk to me. And, you know, he went on stage, whatever he talked about. I've been, I've been with these guys for three years, and that fucked my head up because Dio asked me to be on it. He goes, I, he wanted me to host it. I did a show with him and RNSJ in San Antonio. He said, hey, man, I'm doing this thing. It's called the Black and Brown Pride Tour. I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, man, we want you to be on it. I want you to host it, Juan. I want you, I want you to host it. I'm like, I, I would love to. Fuck, Dio, I would love to. He's like, it's going to be me, Cedric. Eddie Griffin, I'm like, man, they're my niggas, dog. Yeah. Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy, like, I think that, that's what I want you to do, nigga. Like that, we, Charlie Murphy, Mike Evans, like, hell yeah. And George Lopez, I was like, oh man. And he, he took the cigar out of his mouth, like, what's up? What you you don't like George? I was like, I love George. He's, I mean, I, I love George. He's doing his thing, but he doesn't work with other Latinos. And Mike Evans, like, what? Like he doesn't work with the Mexicans, dude. Like, oh hell no. So then they called me. Both of them called me Monday and say, hey Juan, we talked to George, man. And, he wants to be the only Mexican on the show. And he said, just like Juan, he wants to be the only Mexican on the show. Like I told you, nigga, like, what'd you do? Like I, I beat him in golf like in 96. I beat him in golf and, and he can't stand that shit. He thinks he's a golfer, but he can't, he can't play like me. He said, for real, Juan, you think he's still holding the grudge? I'm like, he goes, Juan, everybody knows it's because you're funny. Like you're not working because you're not funny, motherfucker. Because he goes on stage and tells people, did y'all like Juan? I gave him 10 minutes. That's it. Funny, huh? Like, mm-hmm. that's why he don't work with me. That's why I don't take him on the road with me. Fuck that. Was that a DL? Yeah, DL. Cedric. Cedric said, like, shit, I ain't gonna follow that Mexican. It's gonna make me work too hard. Yeah. yeah they are, and then that's props, dude. But I, but I didn't do TV. So I'm not a draw yet. So it's like, fuck, man. It's hard for me to do guest spots in front of people because they're like, we don't want a fucking headliner to do a guest spot. That's not cool. And it's not because, you know, to do a guest spot, I'm, I'm a headliner. So Yeah, because then you got to downshift and tone it down and not yeah. outshine yeah and well i can talk about anything yeah. but but it'll just be harder for the it's just not right it's just not cardinals has me do it because that's my that's my dude dl gives me 10 minutes whatever but like to do 30 minutes or to feature for somebody to go on the road like mike epps ricky smiley man i got a whole list of names they say they start they say yeah first yeah and then after a couple standing ovations they're like yeah I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get open and one. You shouldn't have been you, so you, funny. Uh, you a headliner. That's crazy. It's yeah. like <laughs> two, two like, kings so, in one castle. So, so, so that middle's like so so they don't want you because because you're funny. Like yeah, 
But you gotta stand. You know, like that. That's why. <laughs> well, there's egos, and and then yeah. it, it makes. And that's the thing, bro. And I hate them, that shit because yeah. like black dudes are working together. Mike Evans got a whole crew working. Martin got his crew, Kevin crew Hart. working. Kevin Hart. They all got. You know. They got teams. Yeah, and Mexicans, they don't. Yeah. Like they want to put. Uh, they want to put. There, there's people coming at me. They're like, hey Juan, because I'm gonna be in it. Like you're gonna be in it. I'm like, my time might have passed. No, no, you're gonna be in it. You're the main dude. But who else can you get? We need three more dudes. And I was like, well, Flo Hernandez is really funny. He he deserves it, but he's been doing it for a while. I'm like, Chingo Bling is doing his thing. He's a draw, whatever. Raymond North, and I started naming people and stuff. And like, can you get them together? I'm like, I don't know. Let me talk to him. And, and it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard. And, and then people say, well, Chingo does his own thing, man. He said, I don't know if you're like, well, good. Let him do his own thing. Yeah, like, it just depends. No, yeah, yeah but it, like that that's good. Like, because like, like, people were mad at George because he didn't want me on the show. And I'm like, George? He said, no, like, I'm Juan Villarreal, bro. Like, what, what am I going to do? That's George Lopez. Like, even Mike Epps said, hey, man, man, fuck that. Juan be rocking niggas more than George. Shit, these, these, these niggas know Juan more Who than said, George. Said that? Mike Epps. Like, <laughs> I, I love Mike. Uh, I, the, I, I would I, love to meet him. On the, same, on the same thing. On the same, on the same call, he was saying that. And Dio, I said, I said, Mike, like, stop, bro. This is business. And then Dio goes, this business. <laughs> like, because they don't know. Because George is a bigger draw. He's a bigger yeah. name, dude. Like, but he doesn't owe us nothing. He doesn't fucking owe me nothing. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't owe me nothing. Like nobody owes nobody nothing. We owe him shit because he got the first TV show that you know did well as talk show. We owe him shit, but he doesn't just because he's a Latino. Okay, I got to put him on the show. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. I I let people. Remember, gets bad sometimes because I let some of the same people or a few people like they always hit me up before a show, or whatever. And sometimes I was seven people to show up at my show. I'm out of town. Seven Mexicans to show up. That I want, they all want to do a guest spot. Go ahead, all seven of them. I'm like, yeah, man. You're saying when you're out headlining somewhere, yeah, they'll, they'll come and see me and be like, hey, I'm a comic man. I love you. I'm a big fan of you. Still like, you want to go up for real? Like, yeah. And I just put them on stage. Like, go up, fuck it, right now. Like, it's sold out and go do your shit. How's that work out for them? They love it. Yeah, they love it, bro. But I love comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm lucky, man. Like, everybody likes me. I'm really lucky, dude. Yeah. Like. This dude don't like this dude. This dude hates his motherfucker. But they all like me. Like they all like me. So I'm really lucky. But I stayed away from the mierda and the bullshit, and I stayed away from all the eagles. And I mean, you yeah. know, just just me, me. Man, yeah. well, uh, before we close out, how we doing on time? Great, great, great. I know, bro, because this shit can go on for hours, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna wrap it up because uh, I got to run to the storage unit and grab some fucking speakers and stuff. But um, I want to ask you this because I'm very interested in the subject. Uh, recently, I started um, listening to the audio book. There's this radio DJ, Charlemagne the God yeah. from The Breakfast Club. Yeah. He wrote a book called Shook Ones, which I haven't finished yet. But uh, he talks about anxiety, which I always called it just bad nerves from my mom's side. Motherfuckers on my mom's side be tripping sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I be tripping. I need my, my medicine, you know. But um, yeah. but anyway, the, the book talks about like him going to... Um, Going to a therapist. Um, I don't even know the difference between like psychologists and psych- psychiatrists, but I'm super interested in the subject because one thing he talks about in the book is that in the hip hop community or in the black community or with minorities in general, it's always very like non macho. We deal with our feelings a certain way. You know, you know, you you know, you don't go to a fucking therapist or whatever. Like you got to deal with that shit, son, because you hard. You ain't no pussy. And uh, I just want to ask you, man, like. I mean, I'm curious. I ain't got no therapist or nothing like that right now. But I just want to ask you, like, how'd you find a psychiatrist and what do they do? How does that, like, walk yeah. me through it in case somebody's listening? And Yeah, because, uh, well, a therapist is, like, 
they'll help you with you. Mm-hmm. A psychiatrist helps me because of the shit that I was going with my dad and my mom. And, you know, you get suicidal All sometimes. You're like, man, like, fuck, dude. And that's why I take, I, ha- I have anti-anxiety medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm prescribed. I have to take it. If I don't take it, I can't function. Mm-hmm. Ramiro knows, like, if I don't take it for a day or two, I'll, I won't eat. I'll, I won't, you know what I mean? Because you start like, getting your nerves yeah. and your stress. And, and then I lost, I lost hair. I had, you know, circles of hair gone. And like that's stress, that's anxiety. Wow. And then when I start taking fucking bars, like so wow, that's what they give you bars. Yeah, yeah bro. So I take Xanax. Xanax. Yep. And and, um, and I hate them motherfuckers because I feel so good. As a matter of fact, I told them if I'm not done with them, because I've been taking them for like ten years. Nobody knows. I don't get barred out. Nobody. Everybody knows I smoke a little bud. Yeah. You're never gonna see me like these little young kids that don't fucking eat them. Hey, Amen. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I I take one in the morning and two at night to go to sleep because my head does not. Yeah, I mean, I tried to take a sleeping pill because you don't have dreams with, with Xanax. You don't have no, you have dreams, but you don't remember them. Uh-huh. But I would take a sleeping pill, like Ambien, Lunesta, just to try to go to sleep, and I couldn't. And my head would just go crazy, bro. It's like a fucking a hallway with a million doors, and every door, this one is my mom and all her shit, psychiatrists and therapists and all of that. And then my dad's, and then and then my kids, and then my, my grandkids, and then my problems. And it's just. That's it, what your mind is? It just keeps going. And when I take those, it stops. All the doors closed. I, I could just stop and I could focus on something. I could read a book. I can, you know, I can focus on, on something. Because wow. I'm just doing too much shit. My phone, dude, rings all all day. But that's why I put my phones down. I, when I go to bed, I fucking put those phones down on mute. And I don't wake up to no phone. No phone no phone wakes me up, bro. Like As an alarm, you mean? Yeah, like somebody calling me a wrong number or something. Oh, like somebody. Uh, this is cons. You always like, fuck, bitch. Like, <laughs> or like startle you in the middle of the fucking night type yeah, thing? Yeah, when, when I sleep. No, because I, I go to bed about 4 or 5 in the morning. 3, 4, Damn, 5 in the morning. Son. Yeah. And I wake up 1. I wake up when I wake up, bro. Sometimes 11, 12, 1, 30, 2 o'clock. I just get your rest. Let, I let my body wake up and shit. Yeah. yeah. So today I woke up. I was gonna make some coffee. I had no sugar, and I look at the time. I told Ramiro, "Hey, bro, you gonna come get me?" And I fuck, I'm, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> and I live by Greenspoint, so he had to. He, oh, he, he lives off, off of Edgebrook. That fucker had to go. <laughs> like we had to go. Hey, we gotta get gas. <laughs> oh well, yeah, y'all, y'all made it right on time. Yeah, man. he goes punctual, two fifty nine. Like, like, man, man. So oh, we didn't want to do this, Chingo. Like I'm, you know, I'm thankful, grateful for for this dude. Like I know you can, you know, what I mean, you're busy, you, no, you do a lot no. of shit, but for me to, I mean, we've been we've been talked about having you on here. Yeah, but this was a perfect time. Uh, yeah. be, it panned out perfectly because this Wednesday, the twentieth of February. If you ain't doing nothing, go by. Yeah, now. I want to soak it up, go and watch you, and yeah. have a laugh, peep game, with two shows on a Wednesday. No, right? one, uh, just one. Okay. Well, I don't know because uh, yeah, just one. We're selling tickets. I just want to do one. I'm because I'm, I'm gonna be on the with G-Man on the box mm-hmm. and uh, Jose Grignon we're trying to get an okay you're doing one okay yeah. uh, if well, it goes well maybe well, two but I'm gonna be at the joke joint but depending on the scheduling maybe I'll have somebody cover for me on the hosting side and you're always welcome to stop Man, by dude, there that's that's my awesome. home club yeah like Ken, that's, that's my spot like the, the improv because they want to put me in a whole bunch of them uh, and, and awesome. like okay it's happening but awesome. I, I I went and talked to Ken before I got booked there I say Ken I'm gonna go talk to the improv because they're gonna book me and he's like you don't need permission for me like no because I'm I love you, fucker, and you're doing this great. I like Ken. I told, I told Ken. I like Ken because he's a dick. I told him, because you're a dick, bro. I've never seen that side of him. <laughs> yeah, because like, you're a dick, bro. Like, he'll say, no, I've seen it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But you got to be like that in this business. You can't be. Shout out to Ken Reed, yeah. uh, owner of the Joke Joint. They just moved next door to Fox and The old Fox and Hound. That's how I describe it. Yeah. But uh, nice, I'm, nice place, two rooms, good food. Yeah, I see a lot of potential there, man. So I, I, I'm going to have like a room like a stage to work out and uh last week was our first wednesday and i got to put up a lot of the um 
really funny dudes from uh i guess the open mic scene yeah you, i know you know a lot of them uh yeah. like grady pruitt uh barry laminick he's oh he's been God. doing it for a look he's funny he's actually bro. um I didn't know Barry was doing it for a short amount of time because he seems like he's been doing it like 15 years. I know. He's funny. And he's, his writing is crisp. But, um, but yeah, man, Wednesday. I'm going to be doing some stuff too there, man. I'm uh, Maybe like on a Tuesday or Thursday, me and Kim would talk about Latino night. Like I'm going to bring in some some comics from the East Coast and the West Coast that come and let, a, a, every and week, dude. Let yeah. me know, dude. Um, I, I would love to stop by and yeah. shit. Uh, kick it with you. But man, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, there's so many more stories I know because there's there's some really interesting ones that I know, I've, man. Like I was, I've like, heard from like, you. Yeah, like I, there's some great stories dude, with Jamie Foxx and Steve Harvey and all that stuff. A I lot can, of like, good yeah. stories, man. Yeah. A lot of good stories. So we definitely want you back, man. You're always welcome here. Thank you, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, Juan Villarreal. Thank you, bro. Thank you, dog. Thank you, bro. Juan V from the seven one three. Oh, shout out your social media, brother. Oh yeah, man. Y'all can follow me on only Juan V. Only Juan V on Instagram. Yep. And uh, Facebook is Juan Villarreal. If you go to my website, just go to onlyjuan.com. That'll take you to all my social media. Boom. Yeah. Awesome. Onlyjuan.com. Awesome, man. Y'all be on the lookout. He's going to be hitting your neck of the woods. Representing only- that H-Town, baby. Sass. Onlyjuan.com. Peace. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You get a free audiobook. It's free. It's a free download of your book of choice. And you get a 30-day free trial. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said. Again, that's over 180,000 titles to choose from. That's for your phone, your Android, your Kindle, MP3 player. If you can't find nothing you like in that 180,000 titles, I can't do nothing for you, player. But thank you to Audible for hooking up the listeners of the What Did He Said podcast. Again, this is limited time only, man. You're going to get hooked up fat. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash what did he said. Thank you. Peace.